Hello and welcome to the 66th episode of Long Live Play, the number one Australian PlayStation podcast full of lukewarm takes and mental breaks, hosted by myself, Govinda Whitehurst, and the Cassandra to my Ezio, Mr. Kale Adam. Now, we are 100% independent, and if you do like what you hear, you can support us by leaving a review on any podcast service that will allow it, or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Long Live Pod, because everyone loves fully independent things, right? Right. <laughs> now, Kale, with that shit out of the way, how are you going? I'm good. We are independent, are we? We're just... We are uh, independently of- lazy and... Uh, I guess not totally lazy. Like, we get the episode out every week, but independently <laughs> uh, unmotivated. <laughs> We're just a couple of plucky, independent, uh, young business owners. You know what I mean? I guess so. I guess so. I, I just wouldn't be claiming business owner too soon because I don't think, like, I don't really want people to know that I'm just running my business at a pretty aggressive loss. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look well. I, does that mean we can declare bankruptcy? I think, that's a, I think that's secretly a cool thing to do. Like, I'd like to declare bankruptcy once in my life. Would you? I don't think it's good. <laughs> it's not bad. Bankruptcy just sounds bad because everyone just assumes it means you have no money, but it's not actually what it means. It just means you don't have enough money to pay everyone. So, like, if you were getting a bunch of materials or something from a vendor and then you were also like had to pl- pay your employees and you didn't have enough to pay everyone, mm. you just claim bankruptcy and the reason people do it is because then it's up to the court to decide who gets money. Oh. As opposed to you just being like, well, I can't pay you, but I'm going to pay my employees. Then the vendor that you're getting supplies off is going to sue you. But if you go, I'm bankrupt and the court decides who gets paid, you get sued by nobody because it wasn't up to you, it was up to the courts. That's pretty good. I mean... It seems like a bad situation to be in, but at least, you know, you can kind of wipe it's your hands. It's not as bad as it sounds. I think it's not as bad as it sounds. Like, and it's only biz- the business is bankrupt. You're not bankrupt. You know what I mean? I don't know if that sounds correct, but I'm, I don't know enough to really challenge. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's fine. You can, you can challenge me if you like. I'm, I'm very confident on, on, my, uh, on my statement. So. Well, look, this might be Come relevant. Come at me, bro. This might be relevant to me as a landed gentry, an owner of land who has just been hit by another interest rate rise the fifth this year oh, it's true i did also see i saw that and i just thought of everyone i know that owns a house and like i'm like oh man all these like fixed term rates are going to be so awesome until they're not fixed term anymore and you just get wrecked yeah fisting time but it's all right i like it yeah yeah <laughs> i like getting fisted is that what you're trying to say uh, financially speaking, of course, Kavinder, it was a... Oh, a, okay, okay. Just a, a fun little so, phrase. So. Uh-huh. Just a fun uh-huh. little phrase. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, 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 sure. Nothing really new to report, honestly. It just feels like we're ticking days as we get ever closer to the birth of my progeny. So we just wait. We fill the days. We eat. We sleep. We play Total War. Have you ever th- considered a chance that your, your son and or daughter... Could potentially be the second coming of Jesus or the spawn of Satan. Do you ever think about how that's a possibility? A minute possibility, but there's just like a, a chance, a point zero 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 one chance that you're going to birth the second coming of Jesus or Satan. Damien, the son of Satan. 
Uh, look, yes, I've considered. <laughs> and look, I'd be proud of them whichever way they wanted to go, you know? Whichever <laughs> apocalypse they wanted to lead humanity yeah. towards, that would be fine with me. No worries. It's just, I don't know, I just thought, thought it was just an interesting possibility that, like, your son could be the bringing of the apocalypse. Or daughter, I guess, in theory. Women can end the world too, Govinda. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, God, it sounds really boring because it kind of is. I've just worked and then I hung out at home over the weekend. Go on, you're <laughs> you're young and virile. Where have you been? You leave the house, allegedly. What? What do you mean? What have you done this week? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have time for this. We probably should move right along, I think. <laughs> you always dodge the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to sit at home, Gabinder. I'm married several years now. I have a baby on the way. I'm allowed to be a boring person. You're You're out there, right? No, I'm not. Well, I'm you're inside, not single, dude. But you, I'm inside. You allegedly have a life. I'm inside playing the same fucking game again and again that I keep trying to play and hating. So I don't want to hear about that game. Let's instead talk about the game that I've been playing for the last couple of weeks. How about well? That? Well, do you want to talk about the other thing first that's listed above it? Oh yeah, shit! I actually went off the um the article before we move along, Govinda. Something exciting did actually happen. And let me tell you some business moves I made on your behalf without really consulting you. Long Live Players now joined the Pixels Podcast Network. We're no longer independent, Govinda. We've been snapped up by big money. I don't know if that's actually true. I think we're still independent. We're just th- part of the network. I didn't really read the paperwork. I just signed it and just handed it back. And that's where we are now. Well, look, if they want to take on this aggressive loss, then they can do that. <laughs> no, what this is, is a network of like-minded individuals who just simply help each other promote their podcasts. Uh, this is, of course, the brainchild of the well-read mage. You'll all remember, of course, that I guested on that podcast a few years ago and just makes sense. It just I'm sorry, makes you, sense. You guessed it on the podcast a few years ago. Is that I what said you're sticking weeks. With? I heard years and I'm going to oh. roll it back. I'm going to roll it back in the tape if it is years, but if it's actually weeks, I'm cutting all of this. So continue. <laughs> a few years ago and a few years ago and a few years ago. and So nothing will change, of course. We might actually put in some uh, brief promotional material. Exhausted from your last shouting match with a total stranger online about some pointless and ultimately meaningless facet of a video game? The art of conversation is dying. Killed by a million faceless warriors just trying to get their dunks in. Rather than enable our nobler social behaviors, social media has created new wastelands where real conversation is almost impossible. This is why we have podcasts like MageCast, the weekly podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. I'm the Wellbred Mage, and I feature a different game and a different guest each episode with a focus on exploring intrinsic qualities and extrinsic contexts. It's a podcast about elevating the conversation in a content format that actually has a chance. So forget responding to the rando who called you a scrub and join the real conversation. MageCast, the community-driven podcast for conversationalists, is available everywhere that podcasts are enjoyed. But nothing to agree. Cross-promotion, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be okay. Everyone will be okay, you know? You'll be okay. It's about time that you had to suffer through some sort of advertisement. Yeah, and until I start getting some money, I think that's the very least you can all do. Any thoughts, Kavinda? 
No, no, it's very. Hey, uh, I, I left this up to you. It was about. I just needed you to do something, and you did something, and I was. Uh, look, I, I was impressed. Uh, you pulled it off. You know, you finally contributed to this podcast, and uh, I, for one, am grateful. Thank you. Moving right along, would you like to talk about some video games? Yeah. Do you want to talk about mine first, or do you want to talk about yours first? Because mine's <laughs> less interesting, probably. Yeah, no, I hate yours. Let's do mine. I've spent the last two weeks reviewing Steel Rising, the new game from developer Spiders and publisher Nacon. This is the follow-up to Greedfall, which was a little bit controversial. I wanted to like that game more than I did. Um, but Steel Rising, I'm pretty glad to say, is a good time. Uh, I spent... Yeah, a lot of time with it. It's the revolutionary Souls-like. I mean revolutionary as in setting, French Revolution, uh, Souls-like, in which you play as an automat named Aegis. Automaton. No, it's automat. <laughs> um, this game o- calls o- them... O- Ottoman. Ottoman. You play as an Ottoman in the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm confused. What do you play as? Uh, you're a robot. A fancy yeah, French lady man. robot. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's, it's it's pretty solid. It's just like, I wrote this, I reviewed it for Twinfinite. The full thousand words is over there. But the thing I couldn't get away from was I, I feel like I would have liked this more if it hadn't came out in the same year as Elden Ring. Because it's just impossible not to be like, ah, oh, the combat's a little jankier. And the budget's far smaller. And the world's, <laughs> you know, like... Like it's like their first, it's like their first foray into this sort of thing. Whereas FromSoft is hard to compete with because they've, they've perfected it, you know. Yeah, and I think this is issue is like outside of its very like interesting and cool setting is that it doesn't really do much to shake it up. Like literally, it's the same. Souls are called Anima in this. If you die, they drop. You have to get back to them. You know, resting will reset all the enemies, but refill your health items. It's the whole thing, you know, like there'll be areas where yeah. there's a boss, there's like a gate that you need to beat to so get So, more of a Dark Souls, less of an Elden Ring in that sense. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it sort of almost bills itself as more of a Bloodborne. It's like quicker, there's less of an emphasis yeah, okay. on like blocking and it's, you know, similar iconography. It's like that same era. A European city that's like twisted and all fucked up, but this is... Kind of gothic vibes like Bloodborne as well. Yeah, I believe the term is actually uh, neoclassical, Govinda. I looked that up. <laughs> I did actually look that up. Yeah, it didn't yeah. feel necessary to correct me there. Now, do you think, being that you said it was kind of hard to play this, not hard to play, but hard to not compare it to Elden Ring, mm. being that it is a kind of Souls-like game, do you think that Lies of P game is going to suffer the same fate, kind of, where it is something new and different, but also it's not as good as any Souls game you play, so it'll kind of suffer for that. Yeah, probably. Probably. It, this looks higher budget than Steel Rising, which I would call firmly double A. I don't actually know what When you say this, was. you mean Lies of P? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Sure. You said this. It was weird. We were talking about Lies of P and you said this. It, just, it seemed like you were referencing. Oh, yeah, yeah that is weird. That's, it doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't matter. Now, is Twinfinite scoring out of five or out of ten? It's a out of five, but it's a 10-point scale, 0.5. So, what did you give it on the Twinfinite 10-point scale? 3.5. Oh, okay, okay. That's pretty interesting. Now, on the Long Live Play rubric, what would you give it? I think it actually holds up. I think it, this is like maybe slightly less, maybe a 6.5, maybe, maybe a 7 on a good day. Like, this, it really has its moments. It's just, I don't know. It like... Okay. 
Yeah, it really goes hard on the French Revolution aspect, and it really doesn't take any time. So, like, you know, like, Bloodborne, you're, like, meeting characters and they're super weird and, like, eccentric and they don't really explain their motives or purposes. Yeah. That's happening in this game, but with real-world characters like Robespierre or, like, Lafayette, like, real figures, and they're just there and they're talking about King Louis Sixteenth, who has gone insane and unleashed these clockwork aut- automats <laughs> on the city, and they just... Talk about it as if you understand, and I kind of do, but, like, do you know what the tennis court oath is, Govinda? Do you know what the- I believe I believe it's that uh, the oath is something along the lines of that if you're on the tennis court, you will wear all white, hence the tennis white. <laughs> I believe it was actually where the origins of, like, the political left and right originated. So, it was like everyone came in and- Oh, so, like, you're either a Federer or a Nadal kind of vibe. Yeah, it just happened to be on a tennis court. It was more like all the members of the National Assembly would stand to the left if they were against the king or the right if they were for the king. So, why why don't people in parliament, like politicians in parliament, wear white, though, if they're meant to be on a tennis court? <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to demean this fun historical lesson that I've imparted on you. But anyway, this game will just reference the Ancien Regime, as if you know, you know what that is, right? Yeah, I believe it's the world's first terrorist cell. It's not. It's the the old system of nobility that kingship is based upon, Govinda. That is the ancient race. And you're telling me the nobility didn't terrorize the lower class? Come on, dude. Get out of here. No, a terrorist is an illegal act. (laughs) They did things legally. (laughs) Because they make the laws. That's right. That's right. I know. That's that's fucked up. Okay, we're getting a bit deep here. I think... Where I end up is like, this is worth playing, but maybe at a sale. I don't regret my time. I just, I can feel this studio is gonna get there. Like, I think their next game, and I actually kind of said that with Greedfall. I was like, this is ambitious. And it has like, if they just had more money or more time or something, I feel like this could have been a thing. They're on the verge of like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. They're a French studio, and that really shows, too. Like, the city of Paris in this is incredible. It's, like, full of monuments, and it's super granular. Baguettes like, and croissants and stuff. Yeah, like, everyone's smoking cigarettes <laughs> all the time. All the time. Mustaches, little thin mustaches and what baguettes. Other, and... What other stereotypes can we throw out? <laughs> uh, they're eating snails. Uh, they haven't oh. quite gotten to the point where they're going to be boiling them yet, so they're eating them just off the ground. But Mimes. You see where the tradition started. Mimes, Mimes obviously. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I will say this, though. Uh, probably the coolest part is, like, the, the armor system or whatever, because it's, like, literally a Napoleonic guard uniform. But it's awesome, like, and you're just a, a robot lady, and you just wear these, and you find different tricorn and bicorn hats, and they'll give you statistical upgrades. I'm very into that. And the weapons, too. It's quite uh, bloodborne. Like, I was using this chain, and it, like, comes out of a hand it's almost like a trick weapon almost like a Sekiro kind of vibe yeah sort of like she'll have these fans they can form into like a shield it's kind of cool I'll probably never play it but I'm glad you sort of enjoyed it well yeah look I I enjoyed my time and I stand by my my score good on you good on you it'd be weird if you didn't being that the review came out so recently so now tell me about this game that you swore you would never make me suffer through again even though we're going to talk about it in the news later on 
It's not the first before one. Before we do that, before we, oh, before right. we get to that, we're going to go to the first one just because that's a quick one. But I finally finished Cult of the Lamb. I was not very far away. I was probably like an hour or two away from it when I had stopped playing it. Uh, so that was a good one to clean up. I'm very happy with an update that they did because I don't know if you mm. noticed, but when playing, when you would do a sermon, only like six of your cult members would show up. I saw that. So that was now, about- now everyone is there and it's way better. And I, I don't know why. I just appreciated that that was done. Uh, you- I feel like Cult of the Lamb will be better in like a year. Like in a year's time, it'll just be polished and the bugs will be kinked, ironed out because there are quite a few of them, I find. Do you get more faith with more people in the church? I actually, I don't know how you can quantify that. Like, you, yeah. you just, you get faith. Like, it just goes up. I don't think, I don't think so. I think the amount of faith you were getting per, like, ritual you would do was the same. Um, but it's just, they're there. So, yeah. like, when I was doing my dance around the fire ritual, like, everyone's there dancing around the fire. And when I do a feast, everyone's at the feast rather than just six people. And usually the six people that were there were, like, the oldest members of my cult. So, then you'd have these all these old cult members, like rickety and just like stumbling in and i just wasn't into that so that was a nice little update uh, but it was very very good i feel like similar to steel rising i, I love like i love this game it was like my crack but i think there was just there's a lot of potential there that was untapped yeah like uh, you go fishing but you go fishing at the exact same spot and there's like it's really not that difficult and so i feel like there's a possibility they open up the world a lot more to like actually roaming around the world rather than teleporting to small little areas of the world. Yeah. And I think combat could definitely be a bit more fleshed out uh, just to make it more interesting. Because by the end of it, like, I know what I'm doing. It was relatively not... It's not difficult for me anyway. And I was just kind Mm. of steamrolling through and just a little more variety would be nice because you do run those dungeons a lot by the end of the game. I'd like to get back to it. I agree with all the points you just made. Yeah, I just wish combat was a little deeper i kind of wish the stages were a little bit bigger like the little rooms you're in feel quite claustrophobic yeah that the, the rooms themselves don't really bother me too much but i just i just want a little more variety i think because by the end of it because you, you pretty much clear a room or clear an area and then you have a choice on a map to go to like another room that's either going to give you like a new follower or some like timber or some food that you can pick up or you'll go to like a shop but there's not that many varieties. So, like, pretty quickly you've seen all of them and there's not really many surprises after about maybe eight hours in the game. Yeah. So, I, I think it's a it's an amazing game, especially if it's... Did you tell me it was one person? No, it's a small team. They're Australian, though. Ah. That's my fun fact. I just think that either... Two options is that they either just do expansions upon this game, which I think is a possibility, too. But I would like them to see them just do a sequel that is bigger and better. Uh, even with the the cult management, which I probably was like my favorite part of the game, I think it was a little restrictive. And I really, I said it last time, but I want my cult to look more like, I don't know how to describe this, like more organic. Like I want the structures to fit together better and I want yeah. to be able to make pathways and like really make it feel like a little cult vibe uh, rather than just putting generic items on a generic map. There's heaps of decorations, but I'm like, there's so many, I can't fit them all on here. So I have to like, I don't know. Yeah. I was, there's, there's just stuff there, I think. Where I was pretty shocked at that, that there's like, you know, a page for whatever buildings, another for, you know, resource ones or whatever. But, but the Well, no, of- it's our buildings and then the religious ones, like specifically That's what for it like is. the religion of the cult ones, yeah. But the decorations, there's so many more than all the other buildings put together and I didn't yep. use any of them. Like just, I was like, this isn't what I'm here for. I don't want to... Well, it actually helps you if you do that because you'll get more faith out of your followers and like there is oh. benefits to using the decorations, but I just... I just 
didn't use them that often and I really struggle with the diamond grid that they had. My OCD was kicking in hard. Oh, yeah, me I just too. couldn't put things where I wanted them. Like, there's a pathway that leads out of your little settlement, but it's off-center. So, I couldn't put things equally on each side of the path. And I was literally, like, like having a mental breakdown. And I was like, I'm just not doing it. I'm just not going to do did it. And I just left it. Here's a, And this is just minuscule. This is how small a person I am. But did you ever figure out a way to destroy a building? Because I built a farm. And, like, a farm takes up four squares and then it can, like, grow crops around those squares. But I put it so Ooh. high that the very top of the diamond was cut off by the edge of the map and it drove me Ooh. fucking insane. And I couldn't figure out how to destroy it. If you go to the place where you build, like, the, the little book that you build from, mm. at the bottom there's a prompt and you can manage buildings from there. And I believe okay. you can actually remove them. I don't know for sure. I know you can definitely, like, m- move them around. If they're in the wrong spot, which might fix your problem anyway, uh, but actually del- deleting them and demolishing them, I'm, I'm not too sure. Uh, but yeah, finished Golf of the Lame. Uh, still a, such a good game. Still one of the best games I played this year, but I think there's it was a little buggy, a little too buggy for me. Uh, yeah. And there's definitely some untapped potential with the idea there. But now, Kale, just to really fucking, because I hate myself. Here we go. I, I'm just going to I continued my. <laughs> I continued playing Cyberpunk. Continued where I left off last time. Jesus Christ. I just, I I have nothing really to say that I haven't said a million times before, but I still maintain there is something here. Like there's, there is a nugget of a really good game in here. And I don't think it's terrible. I think some of the, the the quest lines are actually kind of interesting and, and cool. The voice acting of some of them characters, was actually pretty impressive. I think they're way better than like any Fallout game at having NPCs emote while they're talking to you on a side quest. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I still think it's just way, the UI is just so all over the place and so unintuitive. It's so strange to me that like to get in a car and to get out of a car is one thing. And then as soon as you're on a quest, getting out of a car is all, all of a sudden a different button. And hmm. just little things like that where I'm like, how can it be whole circle to get out of a car normally? But when I'm in a quest, it's hit square. And I'm like, weird. just, just weird little design choices like that that really just blow my mind but look i actually am having like not a terrible time it did crash me again it wasn't <laughs> as like I, I can't believe that it's still crashing it's it, crazy <laughs> it's, it's, it's been so long and i i couldn't believe it fully hard crashed on me and i was like what do you mean bugs were like i had been seen and then i reloaded the save like i, I died because I got seen and people shot me. I reload the save and I go back to the same area and I, I shouldn't be seen, but people already know where I am and they're yelling things at me like they've seen me. Like yeah. you have little bugs like that still. So it's it's still not there, which is sad, but I there is a nugget of a really, really good game in there that just hasn't been shown, unfortunately. We actually have some news regarding this game. So maybe we'll leave it there and we'll pick it up, uh, back up in a moment, Govinda. But I, I need to first draw your attention to what could be a new segment for this show, and that is the lukewarm take of the week. Ten minutes of gameplay was released for Forspoken. This is a game I'm on record as not liking. (laughs) (laughs) Not liking. And this really... Here's here's the, the, the lukewarm take. This looks fucking rough. As guts. It's like the gameplay is... It's like flashy, right? And there's some cool things in there, like the the riding of the the ice surfboard, you know, like the grappling around. 
look, that's I, cool. I think, but I think we, traversal and combat look good. Yeah, but then we get into the town, and that's where the fucking the 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 Hydra raises one of its heads. The fucking NPCs in this are so flat, and the conversations are so jarring because she's doing her like Marvel banter with these fucking NPCs that could not be flatter <laughs> at all. I just couldn't <laughs> believe that the, they decide to show a quest, and the quest is her going to a uh, like a blacksmith, blacksmith I guess, yeah. a smith. And they're going to get armor made because they found these materials. And the smith is like, oh, yeah, awesome. I could definitely make you some awesome armor. It's the same armor I made for, like, the queen or something. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. cool. She has great and armor. And then they're like, oh, but ah, I don't have the tools I need. And I'm like, oh, shit. You're showing me literally the most generic quest line that's ever existed in any video game that has armor. And then even crazier is this game doesn't have armor so she goes through the quest to come back, and they're like, "Oh, here's a here's a necklace. It's a necklace, yeah." <laughs> now I immediately was out on this game when I saw two things. One was a combat rating along the side of the screen, so A, B, C, D, like you're getting rated yeah. about how your combat is. And immediately I saw like Devil May Cry, and I was like, "This isn't for me." And then they also went to like I forget what they called it, but essentially it's a tower that you fucking ping and it shows you all the landmarks around you. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, now we're just in like an Ubisoft open world. Bleh. Yeah, this was a weird one to show off. This was like featured on the PlayStation YouTube channel. Yeah, if you're on the fence about this one, I don't know that this sells you, but a lot of people do like this. In fairness, like this is a very popular upcoming game for some reason. Yeah, look, and some people love the, like the open world thing, but even with Horizon, things like that felt weak because I think there's exactly the same quest where it's like, oh, you can, I'll make you some armor, but like I don't have the tools. Go get me the tools for it. And then yeah, there's also you've done like, this before. Get on the long necks and you ping the area and it's done, but it's definitely feeling like that formulaic open world. And while the traversal and combat looks really cool, I, like I think Infamous Second Son does it as good, if not better, and it yeah. was on a launch game for PS4. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely lukewarm on this one. We'll keep an eye out. I don't think this one's... It was delayed. I can't remember off the top of my head until... Oh, then, yeah, definitely. I don't know. Who, sometime I don't, next yeah. year. Uh, Q1 2023 is the most fucked thing. So, that's probably where it lives now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's where there. it dies. If it actually is Q1 23, that is where it dies. Because there's better things to play. All right, Govinda. Now it's time for the news we care about. <laughs> First up, Kavinda, we have the double-edged sword news, that is, the fact that both Sony and Tencent are buying shares in what is probably my favourite developer from software. What do you think about that? <laughs> Take that, Xbox. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think too much of it, really. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. I'm... Yeah, I don't know. What, what Sony's getting 14%, Tencent's getting... Well, a, a Tencent subsidiary, Six Joy Hong Kong, will get 16.25%. I don't know what this really means for us. I guess the partnership with From Software it will stay pretty true because obviously they seem to skew PlayStation a little bit. But I don't think we're going to see a whole lot from this. Games yeah, will not be exclusive. It's. I try not to get too upset about this. Like financials are so interlinked. Like you can't be a pure person and support only the things that are like morally good. But I don't know. I just kind of look at this as like that's more money for From Software. <laughs> Yeah, look, make better games and make them best on PlayStation. That sounds good to me. Look, this is going to start sounding weird after I keep saying it, but it is concerning to me how much Tencent is buying and how quickly. Oh, yeah. 
They've got subsidiaries everywhere. I think they're, I forget what the brand was called, but their gaming brand was, branding was all over the video game awards and on Gamescom, like opening night as well. I forget what the branding is. I really should know. Uh, but they're like their gaming leg or wing or whatever they would call yeah, it. Yeah, I remember all over this. It. So they're just all over the place. And I, and you'll see, like, honestly, I think the very next story, we're going to be talking about it again. So it is quite fascinating because you got to remember that the communist party in china has oversight over all business dealings like they can get involved in these things but it's like we're living in a world now where the the communists are better at capitalism than the western capitalists are like (laughs) tencent is everywhere it's just it must print money well because it's like having like a a crazy multi-conglomerate business that is backed by a government yeah yeah, it's like so. I guess any sort of government oversight that would happen just is easier and better. And like the the stuff that Microsoft is going through in order to acquire uh, Activision Blizzard just wouldn't really happen for Tencent. And you know, like although there was that, oh, I'm not. I'm going to remember it poorly. There was an issue where the government in China did pull back on games. I think it might have been to do with loot boxes, like where they did actually get involved and. I don't have all the details. I, I thought that was only internally. They were just restricting games for their own citizens. Yeah, that's right. That like so they but do that doesn't mean they're not gonna buy foreign gaming companies and make a shitload of money off everyone else and do what they wanna do with that. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it is it's concerning, but it it's just gonna keep happening until someone decides I, I decides not to. Like it's just gonna keep happening. Money talks. That's the downside of capitalism. And it is going to keep happening because our very next story is the fact that Chinese company NetEase has announced that it will acquire Quantic Dream, uh, David Cage's studio responsible for the likes of Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human. So it's uh, it's literally happening constantly, given <laughs> happening to us. Dude, money talks, I tell you. I just pop- I wonder what that means for us because I'd know. Uh, I guess except for the Star Wars Eclipse game that they're currently making now, all of their games were pretty much PlayStation exclusives for at least some time or another. Uh, so I don't really, yeah, I don't know if this is going to affect us either. But it's just again a little concerning that these companies are getting. It seems like every single week we're talking about China, a Chinese company buying a gaming developer or a publisher or buying a stake in it. So. I've, like, if it keeps going at this rate, by the end of next year, everything is going to have a Chinese investor involved. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, though, because you're like, what can you even do, though? There's just nothing you can do. Like, Well, that's what I mean when I say money talks is, like, if they've got the money and they're willing to spend it, like, they're going to do yeah. it. Like, until people stop caring about money, which is never, never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing that really... St- there's nothing that can be done. The only way that things could change is if governments got in and started restricting like foreign yeah. investment. And that's the only thing that could really happen. But I don't really see that happening either. Because in Australia, we're culprits for it too. Like ports, I, yeah, real it's estate, true. everything. We are also moving into like somewhat of a antagonistic future with China where we're literally like our former prime minister was egging on, you know, our purchase of nuclear submarines specifically to counter china's navy oh yeah like. so it's so it's super awesome that china owns a lot of ports and infrastructure in our country that's rad yeah. no, it's, <laughs> we've all made mistakes haven't we oh uh, yeah well anyway 
Hopefully Star Wars Eclipse doesn't get affected and it probably won't. If anything, they'll get more money to make it. So Did I'm you? still looking forward to that. Did you play Detroit? I played Detroit-ish. No, I played like the first two. eight hours. <laughs> I don't even think I played that much. I, it was like on PlayStation Plus at one point and I scooped it up. It was good. And I just kind of can't remember. Yeah, why I it was good. It. I just don't think I was in the mood for that sort of a game when yeah. I started it. Uh, but it was very good. Like it starts hot. Heavy Rain was incredible. From what I remember. Heavy Rain was like a generational game, in my opinion. I think that Heavy Rain has its little fingertips, fingerprints everywhere. Like, they did a lot of cool shit in that that I think other people have kind of borrowed from. Uh, but I think, I don't know, Beyond Two Souls was where I just was like, nah, I didn't even play it. And that's weirdly the one that I played all the way through. And like I kind of enjoyed it. It was kind of dumb. Uh, what was interesting about that is that it was presented, if you didn't play it at all, uh, it was you played it out of order, like you just played. Yeah, snippets. no, I remember it. I remember like hearing about it. I never yeah. actually played it, but yeah, the. But isn't there? A, did, wasn't there like a patch at some point so you yes. could then play it in order? Yeah, I think it was like the remaster or something or the re-release. But yeah, I was like, that's kind of annoying to me because I played this like weird psychedelic version of that game that <laughs> I wouldn't do in hindsight. I don't know that it really added a lot, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. So look, anyway, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in Star Wars Eclipse, and hopefully it comes out without too much delay because I, I'm over Star Wars, but that looks kind of sick when they showed the trailer of that game. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm down for this. This is like a good game. I can play with Aaron. This is fun. Here's one for you, Govinda. I know how to make you buy The Last of Us Part 1. <laughs> it has easier trophies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... I hated that setup because I wanted to bring that up, but yeah, yeah this is how you this is how you make me buy this game. Uh, so, for everyone who's listening, you probably already know because I probably mentioned it all the time. But I was so close to platinuming the original Last of Us, but one I just didn't have the time to put into factions, mm. and two, I got to the hospital on like crushing difficulty, and I just I just stopped playing because I realized the factions thing was not going to happen. So now there's no difficulty trophy at all in part one, and there's no factions that I have to deal with in part one. So this sounds like a hella chill platinum trophy, and I I want to get it. I want to get it, Kale. I, I will say it's been... I wasn't going to buy it because I had Steel Rising. We've still been playing the shit out of Total War Warhammer 3, which, again, should just be assumed is happening in the background. I think I've put in, like, 70 hours in the past fortnight, which is why I, I sound like this. But yeah, there was a moment of weakness where I was looking at this and seeing people playing it. It's like, fuck, it does look good though, doesn't it? It, it does, really does look good. I really want to, but I can't. I can't buy it right now. And it's interesting because I, I, in theory, I should be the perfect audience for this. Is I played the first game on PS3, loved it, didn't play the remaster because oh, okay. I didn't need to. So I've only played this game, I guess almost twice because I played the original playthrough and then a crushing difficulty playthrough. Uh, but that was a very long time ago. So I, I'm probably the perfect candidate for this game other than people who haven't played it. And if you haven't played The Last of Us, please go play it. I it is. Um, I did a story for Push Square, which was just looking at the uh, Digital Foundry comparison. And that is incredible. That is really worth watching because they take um, PS3, PS4, and this PS5 version and the original uh, that they showed off in 2012, like the wild, you know, souped up version that they sold everyone on. They eventually yep. had to like downgrade the 
graphics or whatever, but that is a really incredible comparison where you're like, this is not just a remaster. Like, they rebuilt the assets from the ground yeah. up. All of them. Like, yeah. Hey, that's every what I've been saying thing. this whole time. They, they literally built it from the ground up. Uh, but th- even that wasn't enough for me because that wasn't... It wasn't necessarily the reason I played the game or would want to play the game. It's just because it's a really awesome story and a sick game. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't include, like, going prone, for instance. Yeah, I um, again, there was, a series, there was a series of videos that Naughty Dog's been putting out over the last week, like, looking at different things like that. And that was one I thought their excuse was a little bit mealy-mouthed. It was like, we wanted to preserve the integrity of the original. You're like, well... <laughs> well, actually, I was watching a review, I think, and someone actually had a better reason, I think, and I'm surprised Naughty Dog didn't use it themselves, is that the, ga- the game and level design, it wasn't designed with prone in mind. Like, there's well, no that's, reason yeah, that's, to have to go prone, right? That's what they say. That is, they get into that. They're like, look, it's one thing to change the way the AI reacts in combat. Like, it's entirely another to add crawling sections like, or something yeah, like. to add grass and like add reasons to crawl when you never yeah it was never there's a little more to it in the first place so it honestly if i can get a platinum trophy in one playthrough that's almost the reason to play it again and it I, was i guess we are just gonna sit on this for a second but it was interesting to see um Neil Druckmann was talking about how this you know it sounds like pr spin but like this was the vision they always intended like, this is the yeah. game they wanted to make. But it's been fun to see the details people have found. Like, yeah, now with sick. that extra clarity, you can see Joel's license in the house at the start. So, you know yep. how old he was and, like, the fact that he takes anti-anxiety medication. Like You, can, you can see the actual medication that he's yeah, taking and stuff. which is funny. It's like there is more detail to it. Oh, dude, I saw some awesome stuff. So, there's bits where there's, like, a crumpled up carpet that people are walking on. And when you walk on the carpet, it actually deforms under your feet. Mm. Uh, there was I saw one there's a scale in a bathroom and Joel's stepping on the scale and you can see how much he weighs like it actually moves the scale yeah wow uh, there was another one I saw on Twitter and it was they threw a bottle at someone and then they grabbed him into a chokehold and went into photo mode and there's shards of glass in the in the enemy's face and stuff like really really good details and it's it's funny. I want to play it. I just, I, we have $120 been, is fucked. This is how it happens. Like, we've been dogging this thing for weeks, and now it's like, oh, it's out, though. And anyway, uh, I will just I'm say just, quickly, on the subject of reviews, uh, it's been interesting to see how people cover this. Like, some sites, Push Square re-reviewed it and gave it a different score, I believe. Like, I've seen other, you know, sites do oh, the same re-reviewed. thing. re-reviewed. Interesting. My favourite, though, was um, Angry Joe Vargas, who simply re-uploaded his original review as if it was new. <laughs> just nothing else. Just re-uploaded the same review and just said, have it if you want. You don't have to have it. It's just there. It's- <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That's good. Govinda, the rumours are real. There's another Assassin's Creed game. It's called Mirage. It kept leaking. It wouldn't stop leaking until Ubisoft <laughs> officially announced it. We're going to see it this weekend uh, when Ubisoft Forward, the Ubisoft Forward Showcase takes place. I believe that's very early Sunday morning for you and I, around 5 a.m. <sighs> Kale, I just... Now, before you just wax fucking regretful over there, this is apparently going to be a return to form for the series away from the RPG elements. It's going to be a return to an actual assassin game where you stealth and you don't level up and it's not massive and open world. And the other rumors that I was looking at today is apparently there's going to be multiple games, one of them set in Japan. 
according to the rumors. Continue. Okay. Cool. I'm glad it's returned to form. But why, like, why get rid of everything? Like, uh, you can still level up. You can still add cool stuff. That's fine. I just don't want it to be a mammoth, humongous, like, mm. hundred kilometer squared open world. Yeah, just give me like two cities, and let me actually be stealth again and do cool shit. Like, that we just might get became. That. That's what I want. And it sounds kind of like that's the way they're heading. Yeah. I like the setting again. It really does feel like we're going back to Assassin's Creed, like one, two kind of vibes. Yeah. Maybe less two, more one. I believe there was multiple uh, I, cities in one, right? There was like Acre uh, or Arca. Yeah, something like that. I, I realized two is actually in Italy, so it wasn't that. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm into it. I just, I'm skeptical. And again, we were talking about the, the Forspoken trailer and the kind of shitty elements that we see time and time again in there. And I just feel like that's what this is going to end up being probably. And cause they, they started it like Assassin's Creed one started that open world formula. So while it's nice to hear they're going back to their roots, it also feels a bit long in the tooth, like do something different again with Assassin's Creed in mind, you know? Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Also, it, please don't bring back any sort of like animus shit. I don't wow. care about it. Get rid of it. Don't bring that back. Yeah. I can are- stay in the, that can stay in the bin. I never met a person who was into that. Never in my life. I don't know who that was for, but people must have been into it for them to have continued it. Uh, well, they'd be like, well, people seem to play the sections. Like, of course you do, because you want to get to the next section. The animus stuff in Assassin's Creed is equivalent to me playing as Mary Jane in Spider-Man. Yeah, definitely. Where I'm I just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to no. do this bit. Let me just get through it. Like, it's why are there so Spider-Man. many of these? <laughs> it's called Spider-Man, not <laughs> Spider-Man and Mary Jane. You ready for some rain on your parade, Govinda? I love rain. It's my favorite because I can play video games inside. I'm glad you can play video games inside because you can't play Quidditch in Hogwarts Legacy. You can ride a broom. You can just fucking float around on it. But you can't beat a bludger. You can't quiff a quaffle. You can't snatch a snitch. That was pretty good. That was pretty, <laughs> that was good. pretty good, dude. Off the cuff, too. That was I'm off actually the, kind off of dope. I'm impressed. I, look, I, I don't know. I think I'm the only one. I don't really care. Like, I really don't. I feel... I get it. I get why, right? This is their first huge game that this studio is making. And you have to design a whole new mecha- like a whole new set of mechanics so that people can play Quidditch, which then, at the end of the day, they might not play that much of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't personally care about it. I feel like Quidditch could be some really good DLC down the mm. line where they're like, hey, here is the Quidditch Cup now, and we're doing it. And so then that's like a sick DLC you can get where you can go around and get better at Quidditch and whatever. But like, I don't, I'm not, I didn't even think about Quidditch when I heard about this game. I didn't even think about it. I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, counterpoint is that this is billed as the big expansive Hogwarts fucking dream boat that we've all thought about for decades. And they made, we got like a new trailer and everything and it details the differences between each of the houses, like homerooms and like, how different they are inside and like all the students have like different robes and everything. And I just feel like if you're going to go to that effort, Quidditch is part of the fantasy. Quidditch is always involved. It's what the whole school's into and they always have been, even in this time zone, time zone, time period. It just feels (laughs) a little weird. Like, again, they never promised it. It's just like a glaring omission that it's not there. Maybe... 
I wonder if Quidditch is in at all. Like, can you watch Quidditch? Is there a mention of Quidditch? I, I would be really interested if they just made your character bad at Quidditch and so you didn't make the team. <laughs> that would be the I, best workaround ever. I think it's weirder that they've included the broomsticks at all then. No. Because what are they for? They for Quidditch. So it's not you're not just in you're not just in Hogwarts and your broom is essentially your steed. It's the same as like getting a horse in Red Dead. Like, oh, I can't so. play pol- I can't play polo in Red Dead. Why give me a horse then? I'm but like, again, it's because that's how you get around. You're a fucking wizard. Counterpoint, they've got Thestrals in it, which are literally those fucking nightmare horses with wings. They are your steed. You can ride them. Why do you need a broomstick? If it's well, you just can to ride get them around. if you can tame them and whatever. Like your broom is a broom. You just it is an inanimate object that flies when you tell it to fly. It's way less it's way easier to deal with than a Thestral who you've got to feed and, like, tame and I don't manage. Mean, I don't mean in, like, in a hypothetical situation. Thestrals are in the game. You can ride them. Yeah, but you don't have your own Thestral. Again, that's like a strange... We're talking about a video game. You don't have to look after it. It's just a thing that gets you from point A to point B. So, why do you also have a broom? Because <laughs> uh, it's like in Grand Theft Auto. Like, you start with a really shit car and then eventually you get a better car. And it you just upgrade, seems- and then you have multiple modes of transportation, but you don't necessarily have to have, like, a, a Formula One race in Grand Theft Auto. You know what I, I mean? Uh, we don't have to sit on it, because we are speculating, but I'd be <laughs> shocked to my very core if they didn't intend to include this at some point, and it was cut. Like, they figured out the broomstick and everything, they were like, alright, we're doing it, and then it, at the end of the day, they're like, this is too much. Because it just seems odd. <laughs> so, there's another point to this, right? And so... Obviously, as time progress, like as as time in the Harry Potter world has progressed, brooms got better, right? You had the Nimbus two thousand or whatever that shit was called. It was like the fastest. Cr- this is meant to be way earlier than that time period, mm. right? So, in theory, the brooms are going to suck. Like they're going to move and they're going to be really meh. But you're not going to be like hauling ass in a broom. So maybe they got to a point where they were like, "Well, the brooms aren't meant to be good." So Quidditch is going to be hella boring. And so why do it? Yeah, look. I mean, have you ever seen pictures of, like, tennis from three, four hundred years ago? I imagine it's yeah, like Yeah, it would be a terrible like- <laughs> game to play. I wouldn't want to play that at all. Yeah, it's like people just in a field. <laughs> There's, like, no court. They're just hitting a ball at each other. <laughs> all right, Kabinda, let's move right along. Website The Verge has revealed that Microsoft and Sony signed an agreement back in January to keep the Call of Duty series on PlayStation hardware for several more years after the current contracts expire. This feeds into the whole fucking acquisition situation non-compete is that the term that's not really the term no it's not the term anti-consumer that's the one that's a buzzword there's just the regulation stuff again like the regulators are asking are looking into the purchase and i it's so hilarious because i one it's literally in quote several more years which is super ambiguous but which is also hinting at the fact that one day call of duty will be exclusive potentially but then also, why would they make it exclusive? Like, there's no, there's no reason for Microsoft to want to make this an exclusive game because one, you'll put it on Game Pass day one, so why not just buy an Xbox and get it for your subscription? And two, keep it on PlayStation and charge everyone full price. Yeah, <laughs> it's What's the biggest, it's the, it's the biggest game ever in the world every year, every single time, number one seller. Why would you make it exclusive to yourself when you can still get the benefit of having it day one on Game Pass and charging the other platforms full price? It's a win-win. I guess the gamble is that you're hoping, quote-unquote, casual gamers that only play Call of Duty will jump ship 
for your console and then you'll just... They will. Yeah, I think they will I guess. That, I guess, well, no, no, I, I see what you're saying, actually, because there is the point where there's people who only play Call of Duty. Yeah, that's right. And so if you, you're you like, okay, well, I can get it on Game Pass, sure, but then I'm subscribing to Game Pass for only one game. Mm. And all my friends are on PlayStation, so I might as well buy a PlayStation, buy it the one time and not have to pay a subscription to play to play it. So there is that too, I guess. That's fair. But I guess this will give Microsoft many years to assess assess that and the pros and cons but i still think like it's this game will probably never be exclusive and i i will stick by that it would be shocking to see but again it's one of those situations where i'm like yeah i don't really care halo is exclusive and i don't (laughs) i don't really miss it either (laughs) well it's also one of the things that if you go fully exclusive with call of duty you risk making it not relevant anymore there is that as well like you take it away from the more popular console Suddenly, like it's all of a sudden that's not the game, and that I guess it's a good thing because then we have a huge gap in the market for a game like that, like an arena shooter, a competitive shooter like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's in Microsoft's best interest to leave this game where it is and get the benefits where they can from it in chucking it in Game Pass, but just don't do anything else with it because I think the potential cons outweigh the potential positives. Yeah, I have the feeling we're going to be talking about this one for years to come. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't really want to talk about it ever again until we know that it's going exclusive. <laughs> the only thing I could see happening is like specific content add-ons like skins and stuff will be exclusive to Microsoft. But I guess for this agreement that they had apparently written, uh, it is for content parity. So hmm. at least for several, quote-unquote, several more years, you'll get a game with content parity the same as they're getting... I don't care. <laughs> I fucking Call of Duty is uh, how how is it still this popular? I just don't I don't understand, dude. I don't. People understand. like it. People like it. Well, they're at the point now where even they're out of ideas, and they're like, "Oh no, here's Modern Warfare again. <laughs> two. Oh, here's Modern Warfare two again. I guess fuck it. Yeah, we'll do Black Ops again next. I guess well. fuck it." <laughs> here's a spicy one, Govinda. Striking Distance Studio founder Glenn Schofield found himself in a little bit of hot water during the week, as he took to Twitter and appeared to glorify crunch culture. Now, whatever your thoughts are on crunch culture, you should know this is not the play (laughs) for the head of a studio (laughs) to go to the public and essentially brag about the 15-hour days your team is working six to seven days a week as they get the Callisto protocol ready for release. I wonder, like... And again, this is... The downfall of just personal Twitter. What was going through your head, buddy? At yeah, that point, look, really like- quickly, j- just for context, this is what he tweeted. We are working six to seven days a week, exhausted, tired, COVID, but we're working. He continued, 12 to 15 hour days. Uh, this is gaming, hard work, lunch, dinner, working. You do it because you love it, end quote. It's such a weird thing to say, and I don't know if this is related, but I was seeing a lot of memes about uh, bosses saying that people not working overtime is like silently quitting or quietly quitting or something like that. that that's like a TikTok trend, the quiet quitting, where you just go to work yeah. and just like put in the bear. I, I just feel like that's most jobs I've ever had, where you just do exactly enough. Well, and- people were blowing up because they're like, no, doing what you hired me to do is not quietly quitting. Uh, you just, and like how fucked it is that employers like won't promote you if you're not putting in the extra work and like doing overtime and stuff like yeah. that. And you're like, no, but 
you paid me for the job and I'm doing the job and I'm just not going to do any more than that because my life outside of work is important to me. And it just seems like one of those things where I hate it, the whole like, we do it because we love it. I'm like, no, you do it because they probably won't get a promotion or you might not renew their contract or they do it because they feel like they have to do it. You're also allowed to enjoy it and that also be the case. Like you can like the job, but also know that it's slightly exploitative when (laughs) the head of your (laughs) studio is. I can still enjoy my job for 40 hours a week instead of 60 hours a week, you know, like. I can still love my job for 40 hours a week. <laughs> of course, Jason Tribe popped in with a fucking killing blow tweet of his own. He said, such a weird coincidence how the guy bragging about how his team works six to seven days a week for 12 to 15 hours a day because they love it also happens to be the guy who controls all their salaries, titles, and current employment status. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then Glenn comes back and he, he uses his passion as a reason for it he was like oh anyone who knows how passionate i am about the people i work with earlier i tweeted how proud i was of the efforts and hours the team is putting in that was wrong we value passion and creativity not long hours i'm sorry for the team for coming across like this you know what's so fascinating too is just and this is a technical thing but note the language and the the grammar and spelling used in the original tweet and the one in the second like he's using words like you do it because you love it like the letter you yeah, Y-A, love yeah, is yeah. L-U-V. But the second statement is clearly written by someone else. It's like <laughs> a polished apology tweet written by like PR or something. Well, yeah, now it's an official apology rather it's than great. just an, an offhanded tweet that he sent out. Mm. So, look, I just think... Uh, I actually I wouldn't wasn't surprised this game is crunching because it came out of nowhere and it was like, we're out in December. I was like, wait, what? I haven't heard of this game and you're coming out in five months. It's crazy. So I'm not surprised that, that crunch is happening pretty aggressively at the moment. Really quick one for you here, Govinda. It uh, looks like Housemark themselves have seemingly revealed that Returnal is coming to PC. There's been a lot of rumours of this, uh, but they were giving a, a talk at GDC and at one point the debug menu comes up and you can clearly see that like the version is PC. It's like outputting to PC where it would say like console or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was pretty interesting. One of the guys from uh, Digital Foundry again spotted it. Picked that up. Yeah, yeah. look, I-, I think at this point we can safely assume that any PlayStation game that is a first party exclusive will within a year or a little bit more come to PC. And I think that's a pretty standard expectation now. This was my story too, so I looked into it a little more. I didn't. I forgot about this, but again, this was another thing on that NVIDIA leak list a PC version of Returnal. So, again, Classic. something else. Like, it's... Uh, we get back to that list because apparently that is 100% it's correct. Yeah, it just continues to be correct. Next up, Govinda, we got our first... Well, most recent good look at God of War Ragnarok. This comes to us via Game Informer's uh, exclusive cover deal. I don't really know how it works, but they, 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 they get deals. Deal. They were the cover <laughs> this month and they got all the content. Yeah. All the to- content we've been waiting for. So we got to see the new realm of Svartalfheim. I believe that is how it's S- pronounced. So Svartalfheim? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I think we did that. Nailed it, dude. That's 100%. awesome. 100%. Uh, <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> it looks good. It looks... Uh... So Svartalfheim is the dwarven realm that we never got to see in the original game in mm. the 2018 God of War. Uh, so, all nine realms will be open in the upcoming title, which is going to be pretty nice because, you know, 
Yeah, we'll repeat some that we've seen before. Hopefully they're expanded upon. I'd imagine there will be. And we get to see some new ones too. And it means the game must be longer if you're going to give me all nine instead of just, what, six was it last time? Yeah, and even then, some of them were pretty pretty uh, yucky. Like the, <laughs> like the short. Yeah, just like the volcano one where you just kind of did the trials, the combat trials. Yeah, 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 true, I believe true, true. it was. Uh, so, oh, I, it's interesting because I was watching it and I just, it is so pretty. It's so yeah. pretty. Yeah. And I it looks been... like there's like maybe some like settlements and stuff, which I don't think there really was in the first game at all because you, you, you looks like Atreus and Kratos are just going through on a boat in a little river and there's like this really nice little settlement with some people out the front. So, it'd be nice if there was a little bit more like NPC interaction in the yeah. last game. I am... But- uh- shook every time I like see and I, I know this isn't one but it's kind of an example of like I was playing a bit of Demon Souls and then seeing The Last of Us Part 1 you forget what like a PS5 game can look like because most yeah. of I still just play PS4 games on my PS5 this looks like a PS5 game even though it isn't just a PS5 game yeah oh god I'm really looking forward to the day where it is just a PS5 game but it looks fucking incredible. And there's also another trailer that's not just about Svartalheim. Svartalheim? Svartalheim. Svartalheim. <laughs> but they do a combat trailer too where they show those shields we were talking about last week and some of the combat uh, changes. But they don't seem super major to me. Uh, but I, I'm just... The, watching this trailer with Svartalheim really like did amp my hype levels a little bit. You know, it just gave me a good notch of my hype levels. Like I was like, oh, these oh. games... This game was fucking sick, and I am keen for this. I so just, I, I just got myself a little disappointed. I was like, "Oh, it's out this time next month. It's nah. this time in two months." Yeah, that's actually. I was going to say something before about the Last of Us Part One, where I'm like, I can't get it now because God of War is going to be out soon. And I realized yeah. quickly that it was not going to be out that soon, so maybe I should do it. But because honestly, I don't really have that much to play. That's why I'm playing Cyberpunk. I'm dead. I literally look at my console and go, "I don't know." <laughs> but, yeah, well, Govinda, you're in luck because you've started playing. Cyberpunk 2077 at the right Continued time. playing. I've continued playing. Continue. <laughs> we got the reveal of a new update, which is out now. This is to coincide. That's what I was going to ask you. Are you going to check out that Cyberpunk Edge Runners Netflix show? Which actually looks pretty cool. It's like an anime, but Cyberpunk. Uh, I could be interested. I could be interested. If it's not too long. Like I, I watched the first season of Castlevania and I appreciated its mm. short, its brevity. Its brevity. Uh, it was like, what, four episodes or something like that? And I really did appreciate that. So if it's not too long, I, I could do it. It looks Anime sick. really turns me off when it's like, here's 1,000 episodes of One Piece. I'm like, nah, I'm good. This one will turn you on because it features gratuitous sex scenes. <laughs> Oh, so it's like a hentai anime crossover. Yeah, That's pretty cool. It's something. It's Fuck something. Yeah, nice, dude. I actually, yeah, I was planning to watch it, dude. I was <laughs> actually, I'm definitely. I'm watching it right now. And <laughs> this brings with it little things. Uh, nothing crazy. It was more of a, you know, there's some more gigs. Actually, new guns. I didn't see that. New weapons. Wait, but can we start this again? Why did we talk about? We were talking about like a Netflix show, and now we're talking about something else. What was? What were we talking about? An update for the game which is to bring it more in line with the anime. And then they also announce an expansion, which is called Phantom Liberty. Oh, you're talking about the patch, the 1.6. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I don't okay. I don't really know if that's stuff you're going to care about. There's like photo mode. It's more the fact that it's a big patch and hopefully it'll be more stable for you now. Oh, there's new, there's new quests, new firearms, new melee weapons. 
Oh, cross progression between platforms. That's handy if you want to get off the PS4 and move into into PS5 or from PC or from PS5 to PC. Even that'd be pretty chill. Yeah, right. There's a new arcade game, photo mode, gameplay fixes, weapon fixes. Looks like a bunch of perks. Oh, there's a new perk position. Okay, okay. Oh, Lots that's new a quest fixes. There's a lot actually. That's a big. There one. is quite a bit. It's there's a... even new hairstyles. And you can yeah, really yeah. customize your character. Customize, yeah, 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 yeah. New customize options there. It's a 12 gig patch, so it's definitely nice and hefty. So that's actually quite timely because I do need a lot of these fixes, I'd say. I haven't looked at them all, but I definitely will need them because it's pretty cooked at the moment still, which <laughs> fucking blows my mind. Now, going back, going on over to Phantom Liberty, the DLC they announced for uh, 2023. This is, like, I guess, the first or and or only big DLC they're going to add to the game. I'm, now, it is uh, important to note, Kale, yes. that they have foregone last gen, and this is only on PC and next gen consoles. That's I guess smart. current gen consoles. That's smart. It's smart, but also like kind of fucky. Like this is essentially <laughs> a, a admission that they should have never released a PS4 version of this game. And I think for anyone who bought a PS4 version of this game, they are kind of getting fucked. I wonder I can't remember if they sold a season pass. Wonder if there's something that you know. Uh, if anything, I'd imagine it would be included. In, it was would have been like a premium, like pre-order mm. deal or something like that. But I, <laughs> this is uh, this is reading class action lawsuit in my book. Like <laughs> I feel like someone's suing them for not putting this on PS4. Apparently, Keanu's coming back. He will reprise his role as Johnny Silverhand in this new uh, adventure, which sees V swear an oath to the new United States government. Um, that's all we really know. The trailer doesn't give away a lot. Doesn't give away a lot. And I, I, something I noticed when I was playing the game too is like there are times, like it gets a bit janky, right? The game's a bit janky. The UI is all so messy and all over the place. But this game can look so cool sometimes. Yeah. Like I was driving along in a car in a quest and she was just talking to me and I was just looking out the window. And as I'm looking out the window, I was looking straight out the window and all of a sudden there's like a, a cops pulling over someone and searching them and i was like it just had such a good vibe to it i just i do really like the the tone of it and the vibe Mm. and the ambiance but Mm. how is it still fucked it blows my mind i always said i'd jump back in at the next expansion because i think that's when it'll be ready and i think that's i actually don't think it will be i still think it'll be (laughs) buggy and shitty as well but uh, it is so much better than when i played it at launch for sure and yeah, I don't know. There's something that draws me to it. Like, I don't... I can't explain it. I think it's a deep desire for it to be really good. But I also do think that it's not as bad as people think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll agree with that. I just think it also isn't as good as we were led to believe it should That's have been. That's true. <laughs> but even with The Last of Us, they led us to believe it was going to look better than it really did when it came out on PS3. And it was still a good game. So, mm. I think the launch of this game is so crazy. Like, it... It sold so well and was so bad for them. Yeah, you know? that was outright. Like, I'll never forget that. That was such a crazy time. Years. I was excited for this game for years and then it came out and I was like, what a piece of shit. But Garbage. It, that's, it is what it is. Kabinda, I got to eat. I'm starving to death and I can't have that happen because I need to keep my strength up. Don't lie. I know you just want to play Warhammer 3 and so do I. So let's get out of here, Kale. This has been the 66th episode of Long Live Play, which is crazy to say. How have we done 66 of this? I know. Things? I was thinking that we're almost at 69, which I'm really excited for. 
<laughs> nice. We're actually going to skip it though because we're not juvenile. So we're going to go from 68 straight to 70. Beautiful. Uh, just beautiful. To, to keep it classy. Just to keep it classy. Mm. Uh, but I have been me. Kale has been yeah, me here, I guess. Yeah, mm. I don't know. He was. He showed up, sort of. I'm probably going to end up buying The Last of Us Part 1 and platinuming it because I'm a fucking piece of shit. Do and... it. Do it. <laughs> but I'm going to make Kale pay for half of it. And with that, this has been the end of the episode. And if you've listened this far, it means you really like it. And that would mean that right now, while this is still playing, you should jump into the podcast app and leave us a review. Just do it. We're awesome and you love it. Please, love just it. do it. <laughs> but nah, it's all good if you don't. I'll just be. I'm, I'm not mad. Just disappointed. All right. That's fine. All right, Kel. All right. Goodbye. Bye.